Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 23 of our 120-day Upper Room prayer campaign. And today we're going to pray for the power to overcome, which is grace. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's grace that changes everything. Grace is our power to overcome. Grace is the favor poured out unto us that is manifested in the bringing us into the family of God, though we are not deserving. He lifts us up out of the lowly and puts us in heavenly places, seated with Christ. And it is the divine influence of God. It is the ability to be infilled with the Holy Spirit that we can have direct communication to God and be led by the Spirit of God that we might be the sons and daughters of God. There is a very serious and major error in many a minds today in that we have equated grace to mercy. And many times when people say, oh, God's grace covers it, what they're really meaning is mercy. But grace and mercy biblically are two totally separate things. The definitions are nowhere near the same. Of course, we understand that mercy is not giving us what we deserve. If we deserve punishment, if we deserve rejection and God decides to have mercy, then that is one thing. But grace is not the same because while mercy is not giving us what we do deserve, grace is giving us what we do not deserve, which is the power of God to overcome the enemy, which is the favor of God to be raised up above him and the ability to directly hear from God that we can know how to avoid every snare and temptation of the enemy. Grace is giving us something that we do not deserve, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, of the living God. There are two things that were promised throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, and they were always called gifts. Even in Jesus's life, he constantly talked about the gift that God was going to give. And in the Old Testament, there was always this gift that was coming. And then we see in the New Testament, two different things that are called a gift. Yet we don't really understand that they are truly one in the same. Because we hear about the gift, of the Holy Spirit and we hear about the gift of grace and we separate these things but in actuality they are two sides of the same coin because in truth grace is the power of the Holy Spirit it is the power that we gain when we receive the Holy Spirit this is why in the Old Testament it talked about the time When this man would be lifted up and pierced for our transgressions and we would receive the spirit of grace. You see, the very definition of grace is favor, power, and divine influence. And while we're soon going to be getting into some of the tactics that the enemy uses, I want to give you the answer. I want you to have the solution before you see the problem. I want you to know that we have overcoming power that the power of our Christ that what Jesus did what his blood has done for us affords us 
victory. We are more than overcomers through Christ. And we have to believe that by faith, grab hold of that and begin to walk in that. And to do that, we need to understand the grace that we have been given and the power of it. Because my friend, you were born for such a time as this and God has equipped you and commissioned you and positioned you for a time, a season, and a purpose. But the only way you're going to be able to walk out that purpose is in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is God's grace. The Bible says that grace has been given to all men. There is no one who does not have access to God's grace. What Christ did released the power of the Holy Spirit to us all because before Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, only a select few had access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Some priests, some kings, some prophets, but because of what Christ did, he released it to the Gentiles. He released it to everyone. The Bible says that that God so loved the world, everybody, that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever anybody should believe on him, call upon his name, that they should humble themselves to him and trust him. They might be saved. They might have eternal life. They might grab hold of grace, the power to overcome the enemy. The Bible says that Jesus, having disarmed all powers, principalities, and dominions, made a show of them or a fool of them openly, triumphing over them at the cross because you see the blood of Jesus it washes us Jesus's atoning blood the only sacrifice that is able to cleanse us and wash away all sin makes us into a new creation a temple a vessel that is able to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is holy and it will not indwell an unholy temple the clean cannot indwell the unclean therefore we had to be cleansed first by the blood of Jesus Christ so that we could then receive the Holy Spirit but once we receive the Holy Spirit we now have direct communion with God Paul said that I can go boldly before the throne of grace because I have been washed by the blood of Jesus. I have been atoned for. I can be filled with his Holy Spirit. Then I can be influenced by it. I can seek the Lord myself. I don't have to go through a priest or through another person. I don't have to go through anybody, but I can go directly to the throne myself. I can seek the Lord and hear from his Holy Spirit. And when I believe what he has said, who he is and what he has done, then by faith, I can walk in the grace, the power that has already been purchased for me. And that power gives me all authority, dominion, and might just like my Christ because I have become a joint heir with him, an equal inheritor of the grace of the power of the kingdom of God. But it all comes by faith faith. You have to believe that you have it before you can use it. And you have to believe that God is able before he will. The problem is, is that most people don't walk in the fullness of the power of God's grace because they don't really believe in the power of it because they've twisted it into mercy and mercy and grace are not the same things. So instead of believing that they've been given the favor of God, which is the sonship of God, and the power of God and the ability to be directly led by God. They're not walking in the authority of God. They're not walking in grace. Therefore, they replace it with mercy and say, oh, well, he'll have compassion because I can't. 
when it is absolutely unscriptural. And the Bible says that Jesus died, that he might destroy the works of sin, that we are more than overcomers through Christ who strengthens us, that there is nothing that our God can't do, that all things shall be possible to those who believe. If you believe in the power of God's grace, you will receive the power of God's grace because in actuality, it's already been purchased and offered to you. You've just got to start walking in it. But the devil's a bully and he's a bluff. And he's got a lot of people making professions of unbelief instead of professions of faith that are saying things like, I'm just a sinner. We're all human. God's grace will cover it. No, God's grace has already paid for it to give you the power and authority and ability to stand in purity, in holiness, in righteousness, in authority, in the power of our Christ. Grab hold of it in faith and begin to walk in it. You tell that devil you are a liar. My God has already defeated you. Get ye behind me, Satan. I am the head and you are the tail. My flesh doesn't control me. I control my flesh. By the power of God's grace, I have been given authority over all things. My own flesh being the least of it. I will walk led by the spirit because Paul said those who allow themselves to be led by the flesh will see hell. But those who are led of the spirit of God, they shall live. And God said those who are led by my spirit or my sons and daughters, they are walking in sonship. They are walking in the power of grace. We're going to be talking very soon about the spirit of envy. And I have to tell you that when you truly come to understand the power of God's grace, you will understand that there is no reason to envy because grace has been offered to all and we all have equal access to it. The question is, how much do you want it? How much do you really believe in it? Because you were born for such a time as this and there is a measure of grace that has been allotted for you. There is no competition or envy in the kingdom of God because we all have access to the power of God because we've been granted access to the throne of God, the very throne of grace itself, where the spirit of grace, that Holy Spirit can fill us with all the power that raised Christ from the dead to go out and fulfill the commissions that God has given unto us. But you must humble yourself and seek the Lord. You've got to start believing. There is no one too vile that God can't save. You've got to believe that he has a plan for you. You've got to believe that he has a purpose for you. You've got to believe that no matter what you've done or been through, God can use it for his glory if you will surrender and submit to him and believe that there is nothing too hard for him. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you were. Jesus died to offer that grace to Everyone, whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whomsoever should believe him, they shall have eternal life. It comes by faith. It all comes by faith, which releases the power of the grace that we've already been given. But we're not walking in it because we truly don't believe. Because a lot of us have been preached unbelief more than they've been preached faith, more than they've been preached power, more than they've been preached Christ. 
They've been preached the limitations of man more than they've been preached the new creation of Christ. God knew that the devil would use the lie that you can't be used, that you can't be set free, that you can't be changed, that you can't become a new creature in Christ, that you're too vile, that you're too wicked, that you're too weak, that it's just human nature, that you cannot change. And for that from the beginning, he set one major groundbreaking weapon against this lie of the enemy, and his name was Paul. Because you see, Paul, who was originally called Saul, was one of the most wicked and vile men. His literal occupation was to hunt down and kill Christians for a living. He was a murderer. Men, women, and children he would capture them, imprison them, turn them over to authorities, and even participate in executions. Whatever it took to snuff out Christianity, he did it. It was his job. And yet God saw fit to save him. That from the moment he believed, God's grace came in to change him, to make him an overcomer. And the power of having faith in that life-saving, life-changing grace of the living God turned a murderer into the greatest soul winner the world has ever known. There is no person that has ever lived nor ever will that will be responsible for leading more people to Jesus Christ than Paul because he wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament of the Bible that is still to this day bringing people to salvation. God turned a murderer into a mighty man of God. And all it took was faith that it could be done because Paul dared to believe what Jesus said. And if you will dare to believe what Jesus says, then you can be saved, delivered, changed, and set free too. You can become an overcomer. If you choose to stop listening to what people say when they say you are still a sinner and start believing what Jesus said, when he says that he has made a way out of every temptation, you just got to humble yourself and seek him for it. If you stop believing what people say, when they say that there is no overcoming power as long as you live and start believing what Jesus says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. When you stop believing what people say, when they say it's okay to continue in sin, grace covers that and start believing what Jesus says when he says all sinners shall have their part in the lake of fire. Come out from among them and be ye separate, say of the Lord, be ye holy even as I am holy. Now, am I saying that you're never going to mess up, that you're never going to fall short, that you're never going to sin? No, of course not. I'm not saying that once you receive the power of grace that it is impossible to sin. But I am saying that it is possible not to, because the power is there. If we will humble ourselves, seek his face, turn away from those wicked ways and cry out to him, he will make a way out of every trial and temptation. If you have faith enough, if you believe in the power of his grace, if you believe in what Jesus did and every word that he said, if you believe and just humble yourself. If you believe and seek him for the way, for the answer, if you believe and repent, choose to turn away from all of those wicked ways, push them away. His grace will come to empower you to walk that out. Believe and follow after him. Pick up your cross, crucify your flesh. Believe that it is possible because he told you to do it. Therefore, he will make a way to carry you through it and follow after him and his example. Believe and love because you believe that he first loved you. 
Believe and obey because of that love. Believe and trust. Believe and endure. Believe, believe, believe. If you believe, the grace will come. Sometimes we try to make Christianity too mechanical when in actuality it all comes back to faith because faith releases the grace and the grace is the power to overcome. It is the power to achieve. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the same power of the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And if that power rules and reigns in us, how can we say that we cannot mortify the flesh? How can we give the devil that much credit and power? It's almost Satan worship to make a profession that the devil has more power than the spirit of the living God, that God cannot overcome him. You need to start putting your foot down on this lie of the enemy and saying, devil, you're a liar. You're a usurper. You are standing in a place of authority that you have already lost. Now I am taking my rank. I am taking my authority. I am standing in faith in the power and the grace that God has granted to me as a child of the living God. His spirit lives and reigns inside of me. Therefore, I have authority and dominion over you. Get ye behind me, Satan. I'm not taking this beating from you anymore in my mind, in my will, in my emotions, because I don't have to. You've already been overcome. You are disarmed, and I'm not willingly laying down my sword to have a fist fight with you because you lost yours a long time ago. I'm standing with authority. I'm speaking forth the truth. I'm speaking forth faith. I'm saying in the name of Jesus, this mountain has to be removed and cast in yonder place. In the name of Jesus, the power of his grace will cause it to be so because I have believed. I believe that he is God. The word says that those who come to God must believe that he is God. And what is the embodiment of God? But that all things are possible to God. That nothing is stronger. Nothing is too hard. He can create. He can recreate. He can form. He can reform. He can make all things new. He can make you into a new birth, a new creature. He can take away your sins, your stains, your shames, your past. He can replace it with his grace, his power, his favor. And his divine influence to lead you the right way. If you don't have the power to overcome the enemy, to overcome temptation, to overcome sin, then you don't have grace because grace is stronger than sin. My God is stronger than the devil. My Christ is stronger than death. His blood is stronger than the curse. I am not under bondage. God said that I have not given you again unto bondage and fear, but I have adopted you in whereby you can cry, Abba, Father. If we realize that we have become sons and daughters of the living God, what do we have to fear? We are walking in sonship. We used to be in bondage, but we no longer are in bondage because how can the enemy hold a son of the living God in bondage? He, he cannot. He does not. He does not have the authority, the power, or the ability, except but for those who don't truly believe. Because if you really believe that you are who you are in Christ, you will stand in the authority and power of it. If you really believe that God is who he says he is and can do what he can do, you will walk in the authority and power of it and you will walk in a reverence of it. The grace is there. The grace is available. But many who claim it don't have it or even understand what it is. 
my friends, it's available for you today. We are going to pray for grace. We are going to pray for our revelation of it in our lives, in our families' lives, in our churches, so that the power of God can return. It's got to come by faith, but faith has to be stirred in what it is and what it can do because so many are speaking and even preaching unbelief that it's killed your faith and the power of true grace before you've even had a chance to receive it so that you never truly walk therein. But Jesus endured the shame of the cross for the blessed hope that this power might be released to you. It's why he endured it all. Don't let it be for vanity. Don't let the devil win because of a bully and a bluff that he doesn't want you to be able to pick up the weapons of your warfare and walk in authority and sonship against him because you are called to be an ambassador of Christ. But how can you be an ambassador of Christ if you're not carrying the message of Christ, if you're not demonstrating the power of Christ, if you're not preaching faith in the words of Christ? We've got to lay down this carnal thinking because the Bible says to be carnally minded is to make yourself the enemy of God. Because when you think with your carnal mind, when you look at the limitations of the carnal body, then you're putting man and you're putting the enemy in the place of deity, in the place of importance. When in actuality, God says, none of that matters because I can do all things and I have given you my spirit and nothing shall be impossible for those who believe. Is anything too hard for my God? My friend, if you will believe and take the step of faith, then grace will come to enable you to walk it out. Whatever it is that you need to lay aside, whatever weight so easily besets you, whatever sin defiles you, you choose to repent. That is a faith. You choose to turn away from it. You say, by faith, I believe that God has allotted the power to say no to this because that is nothing but a lie from the enemy telling me that I need that or that I have to continue in that. But from this day forth, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to believe that his grace is sufficient, that his grace is enough, that his power is stronger than the devil. And I say, get ye behind me, Satan. I choose by faith to turn away from it and then walk it out and the grace will come to empower you to do so but you need to pray you've got to seek him for it every day you've got to come into communion and ask him and pray and seek his face and he will continually pour in the grace to walk it out my friend you've got to move in faith because it's not always easy we have to trust who God is we've got to love him and we've got to choose to pick up our cross and follow him Because a lot of people, they want power, they want prestige, they want to see the greater things and they want it right now. But friends, you've got to choose by faith to believe because you've got to go through Passover before you can make it to Pentecost. We've got to go through a crushing because you see the thing that hinders the power of God's Holy Spirit, that power of grace and flowing out of us to be able to truly influence others is the flesh. And so the flesh has to be broken. It's broken by crushing. It's got to be crushed. The anointing was always represented by the oil. Sometimes he's just got to crush that olive before the oil can flow out of it. Jesus himself had to go through this in faith. He had to kneel in the garden of Gethsemane, even though he saw no physical manifestation of the promise of God's grace that was going to be imparted upon him, God's grace to resurrect him in newness of life and of power. Yet by faith, he had to kneel in that garden and cry out to God, 
and say, Father, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Whatever it takes, whatever you've got to take away, whatever you've got to strip me of, whatever you've got to bring me through, I am willing by faith to trust you that you are love, that you are good, that you have a plan, that you are faithful, that your plans for me are to prosper me and not to destroy me. But God, that you have a purpose in everything that you are going to do. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions. I lay it all down that I might walk in yours. I give up my weakness that I might walk in your strength. I give up my plan that I might walk in your destiny. I give up all that I am that I might walk in the fullness of who you are and let that show forth in this earth. I give up my story that I might be part of his story, which makes history because it's always been about him and it will always be until he returns. There is nothing that has been said or will ever be said that is worth saying that is not encompassed in the story of our Christ. He had to be willing to by faith lay it all down and crucify the flesh and go to the cross. This was his Passover. He was the sacrificial lamb. This is the place where we let all that we are die. How do you expect to be raised into newness of life and have a new birth resurrection experience if you've never been willing to die? That's the faith part. The grace part comes after. After that they had endured the trial of faith at Passover. Then comes Pentecost. The power. The outpouring. The infilling. The great multitudes. The power of grace offered to all men. Freely we receive and freely we are to give but first by faith. And my friend, there is no faith if there's not a trial to have to believe through. So I'm not telling you that it's going to always be easy. In fact, according to scripture, every time people chose to believe in God, they were then led of the spirit into a wilderness. Even Christ himself made this example. It says he was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. But once he had withstood these things by faith, once, once he had proved that he believed that God is who he is and he stood on the words of God in faith, it says that he came out of that wilderness in the power of the spirit and we want to walk in the power of the spirit which is grace but it's going to come when you first withstand the lies of the enemy by faith and say devil you are a liar get ye behind me satan i'm trusting in the word of god i'm not trusting in what you speak to my emotions i'm not trusting in what you speak to my flesh i'm not trusting what you speak to my logic i am trusting in the power of my god and in the words of his mouth they will sustain me they are my daily bread. They are my resurrection. They are my power. They are my grace. And I will walk in the fullness thereof. And I will see the salvation of the Lord, not only for me, but for all those around me. Because when we allow sin in us and unbelief, it affects everyone around us. But when we allow faith to arise in us and stand in the power of that grace, it then affects everyone around us. So I choose to spread faith. I choose to spread grace. I choose to spread power. I choose to encourage to overcome. Why walk in defeat? You don't have to. Jesus has already defeated that foe. 
Don't let him defeat you. You've been given the weapons of warfare. You've been given the tools. In fact, the Bible says that I have made you my weapon of warfare, my mighty battle axe to destroy kingdoms. We have the power and authority to crush the kingdom of hell if we will but by faith pick it up and use it. His grace is sufficient. None of us deserved it. All of us need it. And anyone can get it. He has made it available to all. So grab hold of it by faith. It comes by faith. It empowers you to do that which you could not do without it. So stop limiting yourself to what you could not do when you did not have it. You are not that person anymore. That person should be dead and buried with Christ. The new person that has been raised in the power of Christ can do all things through Christ who strengthens them. If you're still professing to have the same limitations that you had before you knew Christ, then you do not know Christ. Because the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because all those who come to God must first believe that he is God. And that is embodied in the reality that nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is too hard. That he is going to make you a whole new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Who you were is not who you are. Those limitations do not apply to you anymore because you've laid down your sin and picked up a sword and you walk in the power and grace of your Lord. Believe it, receive it, and step out in it and start to achieve it because he died to pay the price that you might get it because he knew that you needed it. Now use it. My friend, grace is not anonymity to sin. Stop using it in the place of mercy. Grace is not an excuse to sin. It is the power not to. It is literally the power of the Holy Spirit. And you know, I love the original wording that's used in the Greek. It's not called the Holy Spirit. It's called the Spirit of Holiness. And we could see through scripture these different spirits when it talks about like the spirit of fear and how when it comes upon a man, he becomes fearful. It makes him fearful or the spirit of jealousy. It says it became on the man and he became jealous. Therefore, if Jesus's spirit literally was the spirit of holiness, when that spirit comes upon you, it should make you holy. It is the power to walk in holiness, not in and of ourselves, because we cannot do it without him, without his power, without his grace, without his Holy Spirit. But with it, we can do all things. If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, we have to start believing that God is God and that he can do all things. We have to stop limiting him and giving more credence and more reverence and more power and having more faith in the abilities of Satan than we do in God. So many believe that the devil is so powerful that his temptations and sins and lies and lusts cannot be overcome, but they don't believe that God is powerful enough to overcome. You are deifying Satan above the power of our God. Do you understand the twisting of the lie he has planted in the hearts and the minds? And we hear it over and over and over, so we believe it, but it's not what the word says. We got to start believing the word. We've got to have faith so that grace can be imparted, so we can walk it out and be a demonstration of it to start breaking the lies that have been spoken over people's lives. I choose to believe. 
I choose to walk in the fullness of it. I choose to be a demonstration because Paul said the kingdom of God is not in words, but it is in power and in demonstration. I choose to be the demonstration. Will you? Because you can if you believe. And when the devil comes a lie and do what Jesus did, Satan, it is written. All things are passed away. I have become new. I am a child of the most high God. You are under my feet. You have no authority against me. Be gone in Jesus name. You, your lies, your temptations, your sins. I don't want it. I am walking in the fullness of my Christ. He strengthens me. He empowers me. His spirit resides within me. He is my strong tower whom I run into and am saved because I am in right standing. It says that the righteous run in and they are saved. The Bible says without righteousness and holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So when the devil gives you that lie that no man can walk in righteousness, say it is written. It is not my own righteousness because it is not what I say is right, but it is God's righteousness. What he says is right. Jesus became the curse that I might become the righteousness of God. And when I walk in what he says is right by the power of his Holy Spirit, I am put in right standing and I am righteous in his sight. Therefore, only the righteous shall see the Lord. I will see the Lord. Get ye behind me, Satan. You are a liar. You are a liar from the beginning and the father of it. I'm not listening to you anymore. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit because it is literally the byproduct of sonship. The definition of grace, we've said it before, is favor, power, and divine influence. When we are lifted up with Christ and seated in heavenly places with him as the bride of Christ, becoming joint heirs with Christ, being made sons and daughters of the living God, that sonship affords us grace because it fills us with the spirit of God because we are now part of the family of God. And therefore, being that son or daughter of God gives us the favor that gives us the power that causes us to be divinely influenced when we humble ourselves and seek his face, believe his words and his ways and choose to walk therein. The power is there, but we've got to be willing to use it. And if you don't believe you have it, you're not going to use it. So if you're told that you can't overcome, if you're told that you have to continue in bondage, if you're told that you're always going to be a sinner, when the Bible says that you're either a sinner or a saint because those who continue in sin are servants of Satan, but those who forsake their sin are servants of the living God. It says he that sins is in unrighteousness, but he who walks in righteousness is righteous and is a son and daughter of God. We've got to stop believing the repetition that we've heard from men who had no faith so they would not walk in grace. So they had to justify themselves by spreading a lie that killed your faith. We need to start walking in faith in what the word of God says so that we can demonstrate that faith, destroy that lie and start stirring the faith of others that they might walk in it too. My friend, do you believe? 
The grace is available for all who believe. The problem is, is that many that say they believe do not believe. They believe in some things, but they don't believe in the word of God. They don't believe in what Jesus said. And if your belief is in anything outside of what Jesus said, then according to scripture, it's actually belief in demons. It is doctrines of demons. You have believed the lie that the enemy has spoken into your ear. We have to stand in agreement with the word of God. I choose to believe. And because of that, I walk in the power of grace, not mercy. Though he is merciful and his mercies are new every morning, he offers that mercy. It is not the same as grace. Mercy is needed for those who have not walked in grace. And yes, we all make mistakes. And yes, there's a process he takes us through where he shows us one thing after another that needs to be stripped away. And as he shows us, we repent. And we turn away from it and we do not return to it anymore. We are growing in grace. But a person that is continually returning to sin that they already know is sin and that they should not partake in because it is displeasing to the Lord is not walking in the power of grace. And the truth of the matter is, is that God counts that as a far worse sin than a person who has never known the truth because he has provided the power through the grace to abstain from from that sin, but you are willfully choosing to return to it. Before we've received the grace of God, we have no resistance against the temptation. But once we have access to that grace, then we do have power and authority and we do not have to return to it. So therefore, when we do, we are doing it out of rebellion. We are doing it because we want to. And therefore, it is a greater sin in God's eyes. Hebrews ten twenty six says, For if we sin willfully, not a mistake, not a, I was deceived, not, oh, I didn't realize. Remember, we will grow in grace. There are going to be things that God is going to point out to us that we didn't realize. I didn't know there was a pride there, but I see it now. I didn't realize that there was an envy planet there, but I see it now. I didn't realize that these things were happening, but thank you, Lord. I see it now, and I choose to repent and turn away from it. This is growing in grace. But when you know that thing is sin, when you know it's displeasing to the Lord, and you willfully choose to go back to it, it says that when we sin, willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin in other words the blood of jesus no longer applies to that you are not covered by grace that is not grace anyway that is mercy grace is the power not to return to that sin and you're asking for mercy but he's saying the blood doesn't apply to it anymore that sin is not covered but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries because remember, the Bible says that to be carnally minded or to love the things of the world of the flesh make you the enemy of God. So this is saying that when you choose to willingly return to that sin, you make yourself again the enemy of God. And the only thing that is reserved for the adversaries of God is hellfire. He that despised Moses's law died without mercy under two or three witnesses of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of his covenant, wherewith he was sanctified. We're talking about somebody who was sanctified, washed, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and under the blood covenant. He was sanctified, but he has counted it an unholy thing by willingly returning to sin, which is unholy. He has not counted the blood of Jesus strong enough to overcome the enemy and overpower that sin and temptation. He willingly returns to it and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace.
when we claim that grace covers our sins that we are willfully making, it does despite to the spirit of grace and it tramples the blood of Jesus underfoot and considers it less powerful than the devil, an unholy thing. God takes it seriously. It continues to say, for we know him who hath said, vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. He takes it seriously. We ought to, too. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Again, we're talking about people who have been bought by the blood of Jesus. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction, partly while ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them who were so used. So in other words, when hardships and trials come, you've got to stick it out in faith no matter what. Don't withdraw. Don't go back. Count the cost and stick it out because even the people who are coming against you, if you stick it out in faith, God will turn them to be companions of you. He will use your faith to stir their faith and save their soul from hell. But do not return to willful sin because it breaks their faith. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Your confidence. Don't listen to the people that are telling you that everybody sins. You have to sin. It's okay. Grace is going to cover it. He says, cast not away your confidence. Believe that who the son sets free is free indeed. That all things are possible with Christ. That if God be for you, who can be against you? That he has overcome and you have been given the power by grace to overcome. It says, cast not away your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye may receive the promise. Only after you have done the will of God will you receive the promise. This is why Jesus said, not everybody who professes me as Lord will enter the kingdom heaven, but only those who have done the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Remember to have patience that you might receive the promise because only once you have done the will of the Father, the will of God, ye may receive the promise. It continues to say, For yet a little while he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. We love that. We've all heard it. The just shall live by faith, but we rarely read the context around it. He's telling you if you want to be justified, you've got to live in faith. You've got to believe and not fall away. You've got to not go back to that willful sin. You've got to have confidence that the grace of God is strong enough to overcome those temptations and walk in purity, walk in that faith. The just will live by faith every day, that walk of faith. The just shall live by faith. But if a man draw back, backslide choose to return willfully to that sin my soul shall have no pleasure in him god says he will have no pleasure in the person that returns to sin why because it says without faith it is impossible to please the lord and if we don't have the faith that the blood of jesus is strong enough to empower us by grace to walk victoriously then we don't have faith at all you see when jesus said that only those who do the will of the father will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He said right before that passage, 
that many people will come as wolves in sheep's clothing. They will profess to be mine, but inwardly there is an evil spirit. Outwardly they may look like one of the sheep, but inwardly there is a wolf. There is that old demonic dog. There is an evil spirit. He says, so how do you know? You test by the fruits. The fruits of the spirit are the evidence of grace. Because if grace is the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, then it will produce holy fruits. If there is a holy root, it will produce holy fruit. Jesus said, if there is no fruit, if there is no overcoming power to walk in these things, then it will be cut down and cast into the fire because it is evidence that the grace is not there. If there's bad fruit, if they're still walking in willful sin, it's not there because we have not believed by faith and began to walk in the power of that grace. Therefore, we can look at the fruits of the Spirit as evidence of the grace of God in our lives. And in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruits of the Spirit, or love, is the person walking in pure, selfless, sacrificial love for all men, including their enemies. It is joy. Do they have the joy of the Lord in their life? Even in hardships and trials and situations when you're not always happy, there is still a joy, a love for the Lord. Peace. Do they walk in peace? Long suffering. Are they able to endure suffering for long periods of time and continue to walk in the faith and continue to love others through it and to continue to have that joy and peace in their long suffering? Patience. Gentleness. Are they kind to others? goodness, faith. Do they maintain their faith? Do they speak faith? Do they preach faith? Do they demonstrate faith with their life? Meekness. Are they willing to walk in the lowly and to serve in the lowly? Or do they want attention and vainglory? Temperance. Do they control their temperament? Are they in control of their own spirit? Because the Bible says a man who is not in control of his own spirit is like a city without walls. It says that they that are Christ have already crucified the flesh with the affections of the lust. It is no longer an issue. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. These are the fruits that will manifest if a person is truly walking in the grace of God by faith. Because you see, we've all heard the verse that says that we're saved by grace through faith, but we rarely read the whole context of that one either. In Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, for by grace we are saved. Yes, we are. It is by the power of God, by his favor and through his divine influence that we are saved from hell. It is the power that has been given us to overcome and it comes through faith. We have to believe that he's given it, pick it up and walk in it. By grace, we are saved through faith and not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We can't work to do it. It is God's gift. He gave it to us and it is available to all people. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk therein. Therefore, we see that it takes all of it, faith, 
grace and works, but only in that order. It cannot be works and then grace and then faith, works and then faith and then grace. It cannot be in any other order, but the order that God has given. Faith first, we must believe what he says. Grace second, we must by faith begin to walk in the power of that grace. And then by the power of the grace, we will be able to do the works, which we could not do in and of ourselves that we were created from the beginning to do his works, his will, his plan, not our own faith, grace, then works, all of it working together to achieve the will of God in this earth and, uh, and to overcome the enemy, his lies and his plan by faith, by grace and through the works that it enables us to do the greater things, not the limitations that we could do in and of ourselves before, but in the limitless power of our Christ that we can now walk in because that we have received the grace of God. Grace is a gift. You do not earn it. You use it. You use it to overcome, to take authority, to help others. To fight for those who are captive. To mend those who are broken. To heal those who are sick. Grace, or the spirit of grace, which is the Holy Spirit, is a gift. In fact, it is the gift. You don't get it because you are holy. You get it so that it can make you holy. Then you walk in the power of it to be holy. Or you don't. You choose to willfully sin because that you have the power not to, but yet you still choose to. And when you do so, the Bible says you grieve the Holy Spirit. You bring despite unto the Spirit of grace. Or you turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness means unbridled sin, no restraint, a desire to have unrestricted sin. In Jude 1 3 it says Beloved when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation it was needful for me to write unto you I exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. You see the reality is is that Jesus has already won the victory. He's already won the war. He's already given us the grace the overcoming power. The fight is a fight of faith. It's a fight to stand in faith. It's a fight to keep your faith. It's a fight to keep believing that you have that power because the devil keeps telling you that you don't. It's a fight against your faith because if you have faith, you will walk in the grace and do the greater works of the kingdom of God. So Paul is saying that you have to contend for the faith. You have to fight for the faith. You have to fight to keep believing no matter what. You must earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. He's actually talking here about demonic forces. The men of old were referred to in the Old Testament as the fallen angels who came in to deceive men and cause worship to be turned unto them and unto the demonic and away from God. He says these those who who are possessed of these spirits have crept in and they've been doing it from old. They've always done it. 
and they tried to twist the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, they tried to tell you that God's grace is an excuse to sin, that it covers your sin and allows you to continue therein because lasciviousness means the ability to continue in unbridled, unchecked sin. It encompasses all matter of sin and then excuses it. In fact, in the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, the voice of God himself cried out through the prophet Jeremiah and said that he was against the people who he said came unto his church and said that because they were delivered of God, that they were delivered to be able to continue in their sin and not be judged for it. He said, because of this teaching and belief, I will destroy you. The devil has always tried to twist the grace of God into lasciviousness and Paul warned the early church that you must contend you must fight for the faith because the enemy will always continue to try to do this he says I will therefore put you in remembrance that though ye once knew this how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterwards destroyed them that believed not in other words he's saying that even though God may save if you choose to not believe him even once you've been saved you cannot return to willful sin and not expect to be judged for it and even the angels he said which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities before them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example. He's saying these things in the Old Testament are examples unto us. In fact, it says in another scripture that all the things that happened in the Old Testament were therefore an example unto us upon whom the ends of the world have come. It is for our learning, our admonition, and our example that we need to look at it and take it to heart. That these things were set for our example, that they suffered the violence of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers and he is comparing those things in the past, those people that God had saved, but then chose to return to their sin and the judgment that fell upon them. He's comparing them to those that are existing now, who though they had received the grace of God, they chose to use it as lasciviousness and return to their sin and think that it would cover their sin. He says to them, likewise, these are filthy dreamers, defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of authorities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring a railing accusation against him, but saith, The Lord rebuke thee. He's bringing us back to the remembrance and the reality that the power is there, not in and of ourselves, but through the power of our Christ. The grace is there to say, Satan, I rebuke you. Get ye behind me. I am not submitting to your influence. I am influenced by the spirit of the living God and his grace and power gives me the authority to say, the Lord rebuke you. You can walk in overcoming victory if you believe. So my friend, walk worthy of the call, walk worthy of the name of Jesus, walk worthy of the grace by which he has given you that he purchased with his own blood and suffering. He gives us all the power to overcome. 
He makes it available to all. We only have to seek his face, to call upon his name and to believe. We've got to believe what he said. We've got to believe who he is. We've got to believe the word of God and not the traditions of men. We've got to choose to lay down our pride. We've got to humble ourselves before him. We've got to call out on the name of Jesus. We've got to say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on Calvary. I thank you, God, that you sent your only begotten son, that whomever should believe on him and in him and in the words that he said, we shall be saved. Jesus, that your blood washes us. We cry out for the blood. We cry out, God, wash us in the blood of Jesus Christ. Saturate us that we might be in you and you in us, Lord. Go through every fiber of our being and transform it, Lord, that we be renewed by you, that old things be passed away and all things become new. Fill us, God, with your Holy Spirit and then we choose by by faith to walk in the power of the grace that you have given us that your sacrifice afforded us to stand in authority against all the lies of hell to speak faith and preach faith and be faith that stirs the faith in others that they would walk in overcoming power and victory and not in defeat because of the lies of the enemy or the words of unbelief God because of unbelief the Israelites could not enter into their promise and because of unbelief many will not enter into the kingdom of heaven because it doesn't matter if they profess Jesus as Lord if they have not done the will of the Father if they still walk in sin and in iniquity because Jesus you said not all those who say unto me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but on that day you will say depart from me you are still working iniquity I never knew you because if you walked in the power of my spirit you would have overcome that sin because only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of God, the overcomers, those who believe by faith and picked up that grace that you have handed to us and walked it out to do the greater works and bear that good fruit, the fruit of the spirit that proved that your root was planted deep, your truth was planted deep within us and not the lies of the enemy because those who have the lies of the enemy planted deep within them, they will not bear fruit. They will continue in their sin. They will continue to profess the powers of hell to be stronger than the powers of the kingdom of God but not me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will profess faith. We will be a demonstration of your love, your light, and your mercy. We will be a demonstration of your power, God. We choose to go out into the highways and the byways and to bind up the brokenhearted and to loose the captives that have been bound by the enemy because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And what you loose on earth, you loose in heaven. And what you bind on earth, you bind in heaven. So we go out and we loose the captive and we bind up the brokenhearted that they might enter into the kingdom of heaven by the power of the grace of our God, the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead, living inside of me and manifesting through me to do the greater works of the kingdom because I have believed. Signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those who have believed. God, I see them every day and I pray that all of your people would choose to pick up their word, read it and believe it and begin to see it in their lives also. 
Lord, we pray for those who claim your name but still walk in defeat. God, we pray for those who claim your name but are still oppressed, that are still dealing with depression and suicide because they have been lied to and told that there is no overcoming power this side of heaven, but they will never even see heaven if they don't overcome because your word says only those who have overcome here will be seated with Christ in heavenly places there because we've got to be faithful in the little things before you will make us ruler over much. So we choose by faith to believe because the kingdom of heaven is here now by the power of our Christ because your grace is here now because your spirit is here now if we choose to only believe. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.